The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. With available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Oh, I am pumped up today. It is never too early to start talking about the Super Bowl. Welcome in to Early Edge Live, our NFL mega early Super Bowl preview right here. Sportsline, Early Edge. Oh, Sportsline, by the way, the best value in all sports betting. It's not close. I am Coach, and I got to tell you, over the course of the next, what, 12 days, we're going to get you set, ready, sides, totals, props across the board. Do me one favor if you don't mind. Just like the boss is saying, Kelsey says in the chat, hit that like button for me. Just one time, take the chat down, hit the like button, put it right back up, and then commence to talking about your amongst yourselves as we dive in head first. So, you know, if it's a Super Bowl, we've been here all year. I'm bringing in the heavy hitters and an added bonus for all of you this week. Let's show the superstars of the show. And look at this. Five wide. Five wide? How about we welcome in our special guest on our Tuesday show? First and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, live from Parts Unknown. Is it truly prop stars on a Tuesday? What's up, man? Live in the flesh, it's me, Coach. Thank you for having me. It is an honor to be on this show. I watch this show every Tuesday. I often participate in the chat, so I am so excited to be here. Boom. We couldn't do this without you. No doubt about it. Now, live from Nashville, Tennessee, the pit house level. M Squared, what's good? Good afternoon, Coach. Good to see everybody here. Can't wait for this Super Bowl matchup. Obviously, heartbroken. It is not our Kansas City Chiefs in the game. Really wanted to see them play the Rams, but uh, very excited to see Joe Burrow against this pass rush. Severely disappointed if you are a Chiefs fan, if you are a 49ers fan. But the nice thing about what we get to do is that you can separate yourself and we still get to be a part of the Super Bowl regardless, which is awesome. Now, he is our NFL, oh, everything. You read him all the time at Sportsline. He is the guy, R.J. White. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm glad we have Alex here. Just wonder from, I know it's an NFL show, but I want to promote Alex has his NBA props articles that started this week at Sportsline. He's going to put out some props every Monday for NBA, so be sure to be on the lookout for that if you like making money by betting on props because he is the man when it comes to that kind of stuff. He is the absolute man. Now, the man within our brand is the final man that I am introducing here this afternoon. He's been here since day one and will be joining me live in Los Angeles all next week. Maestro, good afternoon. Well, Coach, uh, it's great to be here. And the very first thing I said about this Super Bowl matchup was dead wrong. That was Monday, and I saw the line going from four and a half down to four and from three and a half up to four, and I thought we were going to lock in at four, but it's very interesting that we're seeing a ton of four Point four and a half across the market. So the Rams money, early money coming in. Yeah, we're going to talk about why that is. We're going to talk about where the number started at. Where do we think it's going to end? We'll talk totals. We'll also hit some props because the beautiful thing about the Super Bowl, gentlemen, is that the props come out very, very early. So we can really get ahead of the game. Don't forget, next week, next week I mentioned we're going to be live in Los Angeles. We don't know our entire schedule yet. Follow us at Sportsline or any of us, and we'll retweet whenever we get that schedule. If you're going to be in the LA area, 
come over and say hi. We would love to meet you. The maestro loves taking pictures with the fans. There's nothing he likes doing more. Me? Not so much. All right, let's jump right in. We're going to do our best bets at the end of the show since we're still two weeks out. But I want to jump in and start talking about the line first. RJ, I want to start with you. When it opened, because we're looking at minus four and the total is 50. Did you think it was appropriate or the fact that so many people jumped on the Rams was a little bit too low? Yeah, first glance, it seemed a little high. I mean, the Bengals are playing well. Um, it's a neutral site game. I know it's technically the Rams are at home, but you don't get a home crowd in these Super Bowls. It's not a bunch of Rams fans packing these stands or, you know, massive amount, you know, uh, money for these tickets, um, corporate sponsors, all these boxes. So it's, it's a different environment. It's not really a home game um, uh, like we saw last week. And even then, you know, they had 49ers fans flooding the stands. <laughs> so it's interesting to have a four point spread in a game like that because the Rams, uh, were a four seed as well. It's not like they were in, were taking the league by storm. This isn't the Packers. This isn't the Chiefs. Um, so for them to be four points in this game was kind of interesting. And I started thinking about you know the matchups and and where is Cincinnati going to win this game. And it just seems the Rams. Uh, you know, I'm looking at this game, seeing the defensive line can dominate that offensive line. Stafford's mm-hmm. playing well, so I wanted to get in on it at four early um, because I thought it could move up. And um, I don't think it's going to get anywhere near six or anything like that. But this seems to be a type of Super Bowl where people are going to want to be on the Rams because they think since he's kind of in over their head at this point, they're winning, they're beating, they're playing well, they're beating some teams they maybe shouldn't, um, but they might not have the profile of a Super Bowl winning type team. You know, Mikey RJ brings up a really, really good point. I don't know that Joe Burrow will be able to outrun Aaron Donald like he did Chris Jones, like he did a couple of other guys that would have stopped them on third down and that continued those drives. Do you have concern that the offensive line will not be able to hold up over the course of 60 minutes? Ah. Yeah, your mic's not working, Mikey. Your mic's not working. Darn it. Uh uh, I know that's been an issue. I apologize, Mike. We just can't hear you, bud. Just can't hear you. Uh, Maestro, let me come to you as we try to get that fixed quickly. I know it's been a, a wire issue. Uh, I'll ask you the same question. Do you have a concern that Joe Burrow won't be able to do with the Rams what he was able to do with the Chiefs? I definitely have that concern. I mean, you look at the the battle in the trenches, and it should be a mismatch. Uh, the Rams' number one pass rush, Cincinnati 30th in pass block win rate. The Rams also have a great uh, pass blocking offensive line, and the Bengals uh, shouldn't get much pressure if you look at all the metrics from the full season. I also should note that the Rams' starting nose tackle for the first half of the season has been designated to return. He might be able to play along with Daryl Henderson, but I think that would be a huge get if uh, if he can come back. But I should point out uh, the underdog has really been the play in the Super Bowl. Last 20 years, looking at this, 7-13. The underdog is uh, – I'm sorry, the favorites are 7-13 and 13 against the number. And then if you wow. go back further – favorites of this much over three and a half points seven 13 and two against the number and that's all the way back to 1990 wow that is that that really makes you start to think a lot of different things and and i don't know which way we should go but those are great numbers alex what do you got yeah i mean i'm very concerned about this rams pass rush uh, as far as cincinnati's offensive line especially the interior of their offensive line you've got aaron donald in my opinion the best player in football just absolute game wrecker uh this is why you bring in vaughn millers to make a big impact in this game i think he's going to have a significant presence furthermore you've got leonard floyd this is a very very deep stacked 
pass rush. I think we saw in uh, the previous the semifinal match against Tennessee uh, what this line looked like against a very deep defensive line. We saw Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Laundry just wreak havoc. I think this Rams team is even better than that. So I expect it to have a very big impact on the Super Bowl. So let me ask you this. Let me try you one more time, Mikey. Are, do you think we're working now? Let's try it, please. We'll see. I think so, but. Okay, we got it. All right, I'll let you weigh in, and then I got to come back to Alex with a question from the chat. Yeah, no, I'm definitely worried about the uh, the mismatch here. There's The thing I look for when I look at a game after running the Sims and really before I run them, I look for where the obvious mismatch is, and it's the defensive line versus that offensive line. It's by far the biggest mismatch in the game. That's concerning for me. I had the same concerns against Kansas City. Joe Burrow managed to escape. Uh, we talked about him not really being able to scramble and run much. He proved us wrong in that game. He had a few really, really impressive scrambles and runs, keeping drives alive. He's going to have to do a lot of that in this particular game. I think having CJ Uzama out definitely hurts him. Um, but as far as where I make the game, minus 4.1 is my number, 47 and a half. Uh, we've seen this total come down. I know a lot of people think it's crazy. Uh, I bet the under in the Kansas City-Cincinnati game last week as well. Uh, same thing here. It just opened a little bit too high. The perception is, is these teams put up yards. They put up points. There's going to be a lot of scoring, and there will be. Over 47 is still a lot of points in the NFL, uh, but it's nice to see the market reacting and moving that a little bit closer to my numbers. as this totals dropped to 48 and a half most places. Uh, but to answer the question, I'm very worried about the uh, the offensive versus defensive line. They've been trying their best and they've done an okay job. Burrow's just been masterful so far. And now they're up against probably the best pass rush in the league. It's great analysis by you right there. I, and I think uh, to your point about the under that we've seen that in the playoffs, the, the first halves are really, really going, and then the teams get very – they start to try to outthink each other, and then they get very, very conservative, and then there's no points come the fourth quarter. We've seen that almost across the board uh, to back up your underplay. So if this game script and the defense is going to play for the Rams the way they are, then Joe Mixon might be a nice little option. So, Alex, let me come back to you in the chat. They said maybe over 29.5 receiving yards would be a nice play if Burrow's going to look to check down when Aaron Donald and Von Miller and that entire pass rush is coming up the middle. Is Mixon a guy, I know we're going to get to our picks a little bit later, but is, is he a guy that you're targeting that could have a big game coming out of the backfield catching and potentially running? Uh, personally, I don't think so. I, he actually was running less routes over the last two weeks, despite his uh, receiving yards being up. I know last week he missed the receiving prop. He was held under. I think he had finished with 24 receiving yards a week prior. I, I believe he had 50. But in that game, uh, he seeded a lot of touches and routes to Samaje P. Ryan. So for as effective he's been, he's been just highly, highly efficient. And it's hard to count on the targets when he's not running nearly as many routes as he was in previous weeks so I actually am looking to potentially fade Mixon this week I think he's going to be ineffective running the ball and I just don't think the role and the targets are going to be there in the passing game so I am looking the other way as far as Mixon is concerned all right very very good we got a chat question I'm going to come to RJ and then Maestro I want you to piggyback please do you think that the Joe Burrow hype has influences or adds influences the line excuse me RJ I don't think so. I think um, if the if the hype was being taken into account, we see a lot lower line. I believe um, before those games kicked off, the 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 championship games that the Rams were supposed to be 
two and a half or three and a half or something against the Bengals. If it got there, we weren't expecting as big a line. And um, and then it's now it's at four. So how he wins that game and probably how much are you buying into the hype if the line's going up as we see it move to four and a half. So I don't think there's that much influence into into his hype. I think that if you, he gets a Super Bowl week next week and people, the media is talking all about it and people are talking about all the, the great things ahead for Burrow. I know our Pete Prisco on the pick six podcast said that uh said on draft day that he thought burrow was going to win at least one super bowl in his first 10 seasons so we can knock that out you know two two years in be pretty <laughs> impressive um but as people start talking about burrow next week you know maybe that's when the hype starts building people want to get in on the burrow train they start betting the uh the the part the um the money line instead of the the plus you know so the line might not move but when we might see money come in on the uh the money line and, and swing those a little bit so if you do like the rams and you don't want to lay the four maybe wait closer to kickoff you might be wanting to lay the money line because you're gonna get a little more value on that play than you typically would yeah i agree that money line on the rams is going to come down because as it gets closer to kickoff a lot, a lot of Bengals people are just going to bet the money line straight. And you're right. It was three and a half before the championship games. That was the number for the Rams. And now we're seeing four and a half. So as great as Joe Burrow is, people are just thinking that this matchup is not conducive to him. And I, I also should point out the Bengals are plus five in turnover margin in the playoffs and the Rams are dead even. And, and, you know, you can say uh, they're opportunistic. They certainly are, but there's definitely some luck in turnovers as we've seen, you know, with uh tart dropping an interception and other people mm-hmm. drop, you know, making plays or not making plays. So plus five uh, there uh, to me, they have to win the turnover battle uh, to win the game. Whereas I don't think the, Ra- I think the Rams can win the game if, if they're dead even. That's a great point. That defense is really a game changer. Some nice chat comments. Joe says, Prop Stars always gives it to me straight. My man Carlos says, thank you guys. I couldn't have done it without your expertise. We've been here all year. and We're going to be here for the next damn 30 years right here on this show. All five of us every Tuesday at 5 Eastern time. Now, Mikey, let me come to you because it's very, very interesting when you start comparing the quarterbacks in this game. And Meister just said it. He feels like Matthew Stafford and the Rams don't have to do as much as perhaps Joe Burrow and the Bengals do. Which quarterback do you think has to have a bigger game in order for their football team to win? Yeah, you're dropping out again, Mike. I can't hear you again. Uh, I apologize. Damn it. Uh, let me bring that same question, Alex, to you. And if you could kind of talk about it in in the form of the way their props have gone. And, and when I say big, I mean like over 300, because we're going to be looking at attempts, completion, and yardage, certainly. Yeah, I, I believe Joe Burrow needs to have a bigger game in order for the Bengals to win. I've been looking at a lot of uh, Burrow's passing props. For instance, his completions are at 24 and a half. His attempts are at 36 and a half. I both think I think both of these numbers are going to come up as we get closer and closer. They're going to steam up um, over the course of the next um, 10 days or so. I anticipate the Bengals also having to throw a lot more on first down as well. We saw in the first half of that game versus Kansas City, they were rushing the ball a lot on first down. Uh, mm-hmm. I was pondering that that was strange to me we've seen them kind of transition from a run heavy offense early in the season in the second half of the season passing the ball a lot more on first down I think that really worked for them I think they need to get back to that Um, I also think it's they're going to find it tough sledding on the ground running the ball with Joe Mixon against a very very good a very stout Rams front seven so yeah I think that Burrow is going to have to air the ball out a ton in order for Cincinnati to be competitive in this game to win this game I think there's value on both his completions prop and his attempts prop I think you're going to see both of these numbers rise as we get closer and closer to the game 
Maestro. Yeah, I just want to take issue with Alex. I agree with you. They should throw more on early downs, but they refuse to. I mean, in the playoffs, they are over 50% run on early downs. It seems like they want to set up second and nine and third and seven. That seems to be the goal. And then Joe Burrow will save us on third and long. I don't think that will. And and McVay is kind of the same way. These guys are stubborn in those early down runs when I know you and the rest of the analytical minds out there are saying, throw the ball on first down. You'll have a better chance. Alex, we, we did see that in the first half, but in the second half, they actually made the adjustment, which and we saw how much success they had scoring the ball in the second half. They dominated that game for largely, in my opinion, especially offensively with Burrow. So I, I do believe that the data is there if they want to look at it. Uh, it's obviously very advantageous when they begin to air the ball out and become a lot more aggressive throwing the ball. So I would hope with two weeks to prepare, uh, they recognize some of those trends in that data and place a strong emphasis on throwing the ball on first down but it is frustrating to watch how they do seem content at least in the first half of the game to just pick up a ton of second and eights and third and sevens well it's almost like they 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 want to say we're going to play traditional football and then they realize we've got an outstanding quarterback with incredible wideouts that nobody can guard and let's go and do that I don't know why you don't do that the entire game why do you have to wait you don't throwing the football 80 percent of the time is okay when you have Joe Burrow who completes 70 percent of his passes RJ, let me come to you because there's going to be a lot of people that like to look at team totals. And we have really been good at targeting team totals. But when you look at these two, the Rams are currently at 26 and a half or 27 and a half. And the Bengals are around 22 and a half. Do you like either one? Um, I think that these are these are pretty accurate, but I just don't know what the game script is going to be as far as offense is concerned. What do you like? Yeah, I'd be looking to play the the Bengals team total under, especially if it's you're getting it over the 21 and a half number. I think it's going to be tough for them to score points against this offense. You guys talk about, you know, maybe they should throw the ball early and often, and that should be their game plan. And I think they're just scared to because of their offensive line. They don't want to put Burrow out there throwing 45, 50 times a game, knowing that he's going to get hit and just over and over and over. He's not going to make it to the end of the game to 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 you know give you those hero heroics. So it's it's less, I think, of a game plan of we think we can have success running the ball and more wish casting. <laughs> Let's just hand it off, and hopefully we can get four yards. Hopefully we can get five yards. And then we'll get in these third and shorts and second and second and mediums and uh, not have to put him at risk as much. Um, but it's just not working. You know, teams teams don't really have to defend for it because the line is so bad. They just tackle the guy when they hand the ball off and then pl- and try to play the pass otherwise and get after him on third down. So they're going to make, make some adjustments there. I don't think they'll be able to come back if they get down this time. Um, w- you have the names on the Chiefs' defensive line. You have the Frank Clarks and the Chris Joneses. But they finished 28th in adjustment sack rate according to football outsiders in the regular season so they did not they weren't a particularly good team pass rushing in terms of getting sacks against that number that metric that they follow well the rams just like the titans are in the top 10 so the the rams aren't going to have that issue they're going to be able to get after him if the line isn't holding up so if those those first down runs that i'm sure they're going to keep go out and try in the first half and hoping that they cannot put burrow at risk if those don't work i think Bengals are going to have another first half like they had last week scoring three points at halftime very very low score at halftime trying to rally back and so at that point um i just think 22 and a half going under that or whatever the number is going to be is going to be a pretty good play if you're holding that ticket all right before we get to some specific props and players i want to talk about let me try mikey one more time because such a valuable voice on this show are you are you working here mikey we should be working just might be way lower quality that's okay i can hear you i will take it Anything you've been listening to, I know you've been shaking your head a little bit. Just kind of lay it out, and then we will get into specific players. 
Yeah. So as far as the team totals go, I do lean that way uh, in terms of with RJ on the under on the Bengals. Uh, I would consider a first half under on it just because I do think they are going to be stubborn. I would love to see them throw the ball more on first down like we all would. Uh, another comment I wanted to make, I, I I know that we want to go play Joe Mixon's receiving over. We played it once earlier in this se- in the po- in the postseason uh, and cashed it very easily on the second or third play of the game. I just want to caution that that number that we played was 19 and a half, not 29 and a half. There is a huge, huge difference between those two numbers. And then you look at Samaj P. Ryan. The reason why Samaj P. Ryan plays is because he is a lot better in pass blocking than Joe Mixon is. That's why he's on the field so much is because he's getting destroyed. They're getting destroyed. That's why he got more targets than Joe Mixon. I would expect that to continue. I don't know if we see crazy sets where with Uzama out where they try and play both of them in some of the situations and run Mixon out wide. I think that that is a viable strategy for them. And at that point, if we see that happen in the game, that's when I would look to go live bet it over. Uh, But I'm going to stay off of Mixon as much as that number looks enticing at 29 and a half, as much as he can break one big run, uh, just because I think we see a pretty healthy dose of Samaji Piran in this game. Well, and we saw he scored the first touchdown of the game for the Bengals uh, last week with a nice little, uh, pass out of the backfield, and then he made guys miss. So that's a great, great point. All right, I want to get into some specific players, and I know Alex is chomping at the bit right now, but we are very lucky, all of us, to be working at a company like CBS that has Paramount Plus, Showtime's in the family, so much great content at both. Check it out. Here we go. Let's fly. Incredible. I think we both know there's more to it than that. This is going to be a good thing for everybody. Hello, Master Chief. Two things. I can see the early edge on Showtime. It's a nice little 30-minute show before a big Bellator match. Or did they have to, Mikey, the one touchdown they showed in that piece? It had to be a Chiefs touchdown. Did they have to do that to us? Of course. Of course they did. Of course they did. All right. Now, continue to hit that like button if you haven't in the chat and keep the conversation going. We certainly appreciate it. If you have a prop that you're looking at early, and remember, this is the most prop bet game of the entire year, and it's not close. So there's a lot more props than what you would normally have. But, Alex, I want to come to you first, and everybody's going to be getting in this conversation. When you look at props for the Super Bowl, how is that different, or how do you think the book set it up differently than uh, the regular season or even a playoff game? Uh, for starters, we get props very early. We've got nearly two weeks uh, to analyze them, and you've got a bunch of props. Uh, lines have already been released. I think uh, within 12 hours of the game ending on Sunday evening, there were already uh, quite a few Super Bowl props out, so that's one thing. Uh, another thing is you have a very diverse uh, landscape of props as well. You can bet on things uh, as far as the national anthem is concerned to what color you think the Gatorade bath is going to be. So there is a wide array of very fun props as well. And yeah, just having a lot of time uh, to kind of analyze things and look at various props and just, yeah, there's just quite a few as well. And as always, you help lead me right into my next question because you have become the tease 
God here at the early edge. I want to know from all four of you, what is your favorite prop to bet every year at the Super Bowl? Because I love to say on this show, not every bet has to be serious. It doesn't have to be. So, RJ, is there a fun prop or just any prop that you like to bet every year because it's you? No, I mean, I like to go for some of the uh, long shot type of things. And I have a couple of things that I like here, plus 390s, plus 400s type of things um, that I could see happening that I think have like, if the market thinks there are 20% chance happening, I'm like, well, I think it's 30. So I'm just going to throw them out there and I'm going to hit some of these some of the time. Um, and when they do, I look like a genius for for, for calling it. And everybody will forget the ones that I missed because that was just a long shot play. Who cares anyway? But I like those. I like when they come out with like the, the, um, the jersey numbers, like what's the over under of the jersey number of who scores the first touchdown or whatever and then you have to be like okay well on this side i got this guy this guy and this guy and then this side i got this guy this guy so i gotta like run all the numbers and be like okay percentages here all right they're giving me 115 on each side minus 115 on each side but i think it's a 56 percent chance on this side so i'm gonna i'm gonna play that side and it's completely ridiculous because who, who knows at that point but but uh, you feel like you got the inside angle on those type of things for a game that ne- those type of bets never come out in any other game so it's fun it's fun getting to dig into those yeah mikey talk to me yeah, I've got a real nice plan of attack for every Super Bowl. Uh, so the most fun you can have is to bet the over-under on the national anthem. And if you win, double that up on the coin toss. Win that, double it up on something in the game, maybe like a first quarter under, and really just see how crazy you can get with it. But my only analysis here is going to be national anthem over. I like the over on the national anthem when we're talking dome games because the atmosphere is comfortable. You're not outside where there's wind. It's not cold. It's not hot. You're hopefully not sweating. I'm more comfortable with those situations. So I like the over on the national anthem length. Don't even know how long it is. Don't care. We're taking the over. Great story the year that Carrie Underwood sang it. She was at a party the night before, and all these people were asking her how long she thought it would take her to sing the national anthem. And she couldn't figure out. She had no idea because she's not a gambler. Why everybody at the party was asking her that question. Then she realized the next day <laughs> why everybody. I thought that was kind of funny. So you can manipulate. It's usually around 156, 157 is the number for the national anthem. Maestro, you seem like a fun prop guy. What's your uh, prop every year? You know, I was just trying to look it up, and I believe I hit it last year, but I have to go back. It's some crazy trend that the team to score last wins the game. Uh, I got to find that number. Come back to me. I'm going to look that up. All right. Alex, talk to me. I personally love Mike's analysis uh, regarding the national anthem prop. I get a huge kick out of that as well. Uh, I do think the dome will play a factor. I love people like going and looking at whoever the singer is going to be, like how long they can hold a note for, or how long they're able to, uh, you know, stretch out their vocals in a certain appearance. And I just, yeah, get a huge kick out of all the uh, kind of fun analysis that goes into the national anthem prop. So I do bet that every year as well. Usually always the over as well as Mike. It's no fun to bet the under, and you guys know Coach hates unders. By the way, we should run like several prop bets on Sunday, like how Alex is going to wear his hair that particular day. <laughs> you know, what shirt is Sia going to wear? You know, a lot of fun stuff with the crew. All right, let's get into certain players. And again, if you're just joining us, welcome as we are crossing the bottom of the hour live at 5.30 Eastern time. You're watching Early Edge Live with the best cappers in all of America, and we have the most fun. Now, a guy, RJ, that it seems like every single game, his numbers come out and you say, oh, that catch prop, he can't get that. Oh, the yardage prop, he can't get there. It's over 100 yards every week. And for some reason, I am now just putting my hands up and saying maybe Cooper Cup 
is unguardable because he on Sunday went for 11 catches, 142, two scores, and of course that big one down the middle that set up the game-winning field goal. Is there? Can they make the number too high for Cooper Cup in the Super Bowl? They could. I mean, put out 150, and I'm not. I'm not betting yeah, you over guess, there. I guess, I guess but, so. Yeah. But he's, yeah. he's hit. He's hit over 100 13 times in 20 games. So I mean, when, if you're hovering over 100, you just do the math there. 65 percent of the time, just in, in, in regular competition, you figure that that'll happen. And and we, we had concerns about Stafford in the middle of the season. He looked like he might be injured. That doesn't really look like the case now. So I kind of take away a few of those those midseason performances, and maybe that those two are connecting even better at this point. Um, and, and it's in the playoffs, in the Super Bowl, you get the ball to your star players you're your playmakers the guys that that you have the most confidence in. you're not drawing up the, the plays to uh let's get our third receiver more involved in this time and he randomly catches seven times you want to get it in cooper cup you live or live or die by cooper cup you know if you're the Rams. so i think he's going to get a ton of targets we know that i like a prop involving him i know i'm sure everybody else has a prop that they like they're looking at overs play him now if you like his overs because everybody's going to want to be on him and those numbers are just going to go up maestro yeah, I'm on Cooper Cup over. I got it at 102 and a half. I'm seeing it higher at other books. I mean, you just look at this guy. Uh, one, what was it? 142, 183. Last two games. I'm going to throw out yep. the Cardinals game. They did not have to throw the ball at all. You go back 118, 95, 109, 136, 123, 129. So basically, all but one game, uh, he's crushed it. And you look at the what, how the Bengals defend. They are terrible on the short throws. Over the middle of the field, short throws over the middle of the field, dead last in success rate allowed. Cooper Cup, I mean, that's where he excels. We've seen him take those slants over the middle. He is one of the league leaders in terms of targets over the middle of the field, both short and deep. Uh, it's just a great matchup, and we know he's going to get fed. Uh, I love it at 102 and a half. Oh, you said fed. You said fed, which is one of Alex's, and then I'm coming to you, Mikey, one of his favorite things to say on the show, mouths to feed. Now, there is one guy, and if you want to talk about Cooper Cup, you can in answering this question, but there's a guy that you were on before the playoffs started, Alex, and, and I remember you just kept telling us, and I, I wouldn't bet him at first because I didn't think that when he got traded that they were going to use him a lot. And you kept saying, it's OBJ, it's OBJ. Mikey would back you up, OBJ. And he comes out on Sunday, and he goes nine for 113, <clears throat> two scores. If they didn't have OBJ, they may not have won that particular game. Or not two, excuse me, not two scores, but nine for 113. Cup had the two scores. So when you look at OBJ, how do you think he's going to stack up in the Super Bowl as the number two to Cooper Cup? I love me some OBJ. As you mentioned, I've been kind of riding him all postseason long. I do want to also point out that I did predict he was going to have a triple-digit receiving game uh, last you week did. versus San Francisco. You so nice tip of my hat to myself on that one. But, yeah, I've just been super <laughs> encouraged by OBJ, especially in the uh, diversity of the routes he's running. So earlier in the season when he was first traded uh, to Los Angeles, a lot of those routes were just kind of deep down the field. Uh, we saw him and Stafford just having trouble getting on the same page, connecting. Uh, since the playoffs have begun, they've just made a much uh, greater concerted effort to get him the ball a variety of places. You're still seeing those deep targets, which they finally did connect on a few last week, which is why I thought he would uh, go over 100 receiving yards, but you're also seeing intermediate side. You're seeing him go over the middle of the field. You're also seeing him getting the ball uh, near the line of scrimmage. I believe the first play offensive play for the Rams of the game was a just throw right at the line of scrimmage to Odell Beckham that he took for mm -hmm. like a handful of yards. So yeah, just very encouraged by the utilization of Beckham. I think he's, 
playing very well. All the reports about him are glowing. I talk about this a lot too. He doesn't need an uptick in targets in order for him uh, to go over where his receiving prop is usually set at, which is between 50 and it's up to 64 and a half, where I still think it has some value this week. But previously it had been set around 50 yards every week and getting uh, five to seven targets, which is his weekly floor. He doesn't need an uptick in targets to go over that. That is way closer to his floor than his ceiling. And when you're looking at some of these very valuable targets that he's getting down the field, he just presents massive upside, which is why, again, I'm probably going to look at some of his alt lines, look at uh, playing him over 80, 90, even 100 yards in this game. So, yeah, I love OBJ again in the Super Bowl. I love it. Uh, by the way, you're making the chat laugh. My man Elliot says, tip of the hat to himself. <laughs> that is probably going to be the line of the day. Much respect. <laughs> tip of my cap to you. Mikey, let me come to you. OBJ. Are you bullish also on him? Because it looks like Sean McVay is all in over $2 million so far in playoff incentive bonuses. He could get another million dollars if they win the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, he structured the contract that way in a reason for a reason. Uh, definitely looks motivated out there. I love him. Um, you know, the number, it has come, come up a lot. Uh, it's opened up a lot higher than it has in previous weeks. Uh, I still like it, though. I would grab it now if you want to play it. You can get it at 62 and a half still on FanDuel. I expect this one to close 68 to 70 uh, by the time this game actually starts, especially as we get more word on Tyler Higby, whether he's actually going to play, not going to play, how limited he's going to be. Um, we're going to see that number really start to rise. But I do like him. I like the way that he's being utilized. And I think that he is a great option for them in really any game script. Because the game script where they are ahead and in control, that's when they're going to take the deep shot down the field to him. And that's when he's going to break one loose. And then obviously any game script where it's neutral or trailing, uh, if Higby's not out there and Cup gets to be doubled often, uh, it's going to be a lot of Odell Beckham Jr. He, Stafford loves him. Stafford trusts him a lot more than he trusts Van Jefferson now. Uh, mm -hmm. It's been really interesting to see the kind of not, not really the role flip. I mean, it made sense because he joined so late, but I didn't expect it initially from day one to be so lopsided and so much work for OBJ. Uh, but yeah, these numbers, um, I, I think it should be closer to 70 personally. Mm -hmm. Did you have something, Alex, there? Or were you just I, I, I just agree with everything Mike said. Okay, got it. Great. All right, if you're watching Early Edge Live, we're about 36 minutes. Have a great discussion. Here's our early mega preview at the Early Edge, powered as always by Sportsline. Uh, let me, RJ, come back to you because if you were to ask somebody on Monday, who was the like third most popular receiver for Matthew Stafford on Sunday? They would probably have to stop and think for a second. But when Higby went out, Blanton stepped in and had a humongous day for them five catches 57 yards do you think they will have confidence in him in the Super Bowl because there's a good chance that his numbers could be very very low and maybe we could get a steal here well I think what happens is when you think that you're going to have Higby the whole game you develop your game plan around being able to go to him and so it's hard to switch that on the fly so it's not surprising they would keep that in and you know keep what they have installed now if it looks like Higby's not going to play in this one they have time to prepare for that and say, we're going to not game plan as much to go to the tight end, isolate the tight end on some of these routes. So maybe he's not as much of a factor. He did play well, 
but they're not going to just treat him like the number one guy and just pretend like you know things are going to move on. So I don't know that he's going to get as many targets as be as much of the game plan as he was having to step up for the number one guy that got hurt unexpectedly and then rather have than having to you know alter what you wanted to do against this, the defense you know so well in the 49ers you know how, how you want to attack them. It's really hard to go away from that. Um, so we'll see if if the, if the matchups are there. I know the Bengals are terrible defending tight ends. Maybe they do want to feature him there, but I think anytime you're going to him and you're not going to those top two receivers, you're you're kind of like you know throwing yourself on the eight ball there. Alex, I think that's a great point made by RJ as far as yeah the game plan probably called for a lot of Higby going into the game. Furthermore, I believe he was the only uh, healthy active tight end on the roster after Higby went down. So uh, I think just as a matter of circumstance, he was just, you know, running a ton of routes and on the field a ton. I'd imagine if Higby's ruled out in this game, they're going to have additional depth that they'll probably utilize as well. So, uh, yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all to see if uh, Higby is ultimately ruled out other tight ends mixing in as well uh, with Blanton. Very good. Jason, chat question. I'll go to you, Mikey. Sorry, did you guys talk about Odell? We did, but we didn't talk specifically Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. About his catch prop, which is at five and a half plus money currently. Your thoughts, Mikey? Yeah, I prefer the yardage just because of the upside that he possesses uh, when he touches the football. Um, It's okay to lean here at plus money still. I certainly wouldn't play over five and a half at even money or minus 105, minus 115, where it's destined to be by game time. But uh, so if you like it and lean that way, I would play it now. But I really do prefer the yardage on Odell Beckham. Okay, very good. Maestro, let me come to you because it's very, very dicey when you get to the Super Bowl and it's all about winning and numbers really don't matter to the players. They matter to us, but not to the players. The quarterback number, 284 and a half for Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow, 276 and a half. Now, Burrow only threw for 250 on Sunday against Kansas City. But Stafford went over 300, so he cashed his. Burrow did not cash his. And unfortunately, we were on the attempts prop 38 and a half, and he threw it 38 times. What do you make of these yardage props for this game? Um, you know, I I do I do want to look at that attempt prop that you mentioned, 38 and a half, and he only got to 38 against the Chiefs. Uh, I think this game, you know, as much as we don't want to say it or don't want to see it is going to be a more of a running game. The clock is going to move. I think the Rams are determined to run the ball. The Bengals are, are going to try to run the ball. So I'm leery of him getting, is it 38 and a half again? It's 36 and a half. Oh, 36 this and a half. Week, it was 38 and a half last week. Okay. Yes. And, he, and he stayed under a 38. I'm still going to yes. lean under uh, and, you know, at 36 and a half. I think I've seen a little bit higher elsewhere. Uh, so that's interesting that it's come down. Uh, Stafford number seems just a bit low to me uh, with the with the explosiveness of that passing game with the big plays to Cup and, and Beckham. Uh, that number seems just a, a little bit low. Yeah, I'm looking right now on on one of my books to see if maybe it's a little bit different. And 
it, it's crazy. There's so many props that you have to scroll through just to get to find the one that it's so different for the Super Bowl. And yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, they've got some alternate lines at 38 and 41 as far as, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of different ways you could play it. Uh, if if you decided to do that, there is uh, one, there. Sorry, there is one I, yep. I did want to throw out. I don't know if we've ta- touched on Tyler Boyd, but I think you know. Uh, eh, 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 oh. eh. We haven't got to the Bengals yet. Oh. We haven't got to the Bengals yet. Pardon let me, me get there. Let me get Pardon there. Me. Let, let me let me get there. We're talking Rams right now. We're talking Rams. Uh, real quick, I need the quarterback interception whisperer to show his face right here, right now even though I don't like that face. Look at that big old smile coming in, A.B., on the ones and twos. What's up, man? Hey, what's up? You guys doing all right? Great show so far? We're good. We're good, and I can see you're busy in the chat. I hate to take you away from your producing duties. However, there is only one man that can accurately describe what the game script should be like, and you've been hitting these interception props at an alarmingly positive rate. What are your thoughts on Stafford and Burrow and that play. Yep. So if you look, both quarterbacks have played three games in the playoffs each. Burrow has two interceptions. Stafford has one interception. A nugget to take home with you. All right. A little pre-dinner nugget here for you. <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals defense, it has ended every single game in this postseason, all three with an interception on the Raiders, on the Titans, on the Chiefs. Their last defensive play of all three games has been an interception. So if you look at the books right now, Stafford over half an interception is at minus 130. Burrow at minus 125. This is a long game. Remember, you've got about one and a half times the commercials. It's a slow game. It's a long game. Yeah. Take an interception on both. Wow. All right. A little, little early lean from dial up live from Nashville, Tennessee, eight fours below. Thank you. Dial up. Hey, boy. Get out of here now. All right, big man. He might be our MVP. That that dude has got it. He's a five-tool player right there. A.B. is. All right. Now, Maestro, we will go over to the – oh, Alex. I just While Alex. we're on the topic of Rams props, I did want to bring up Cam Akers really yes. quickly. Sure. Uh, since, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm actually interested in Cam Akers this week. I do think uh, just as a result of some of his ineffectiveness, some of the fumbling issues that we saw uh, over the last couple of weeks, I, I know Larry and I believe Sia were on his rushing under. Very sharp. I liked it as well last week. I actually am going to be looking over potentially with Cam Akers this week. However, I do think the matchup is great on paper versus Cincinnati. They really, really struggle uh, defending the run. Furthermore, I think this extra week off will actually help Cam Akers quite a bit. Uh, so, yeah, I am interested in Cam Akers' props. I'm probably going to be uh, making a play on his rushing over. Just wanted to throw that out there really quickly. All right. Very, very good. Cam Akers last week, 13 for 48. Sony Michelle did get 10 for 16. Okay. There we go. There we and go. You know, Akers had had all of that at halftime, basically. He, he that, was... He was yes. pace, pacing for a huge game and then nothing after halftime. Yeah, he did nothing. I mean, it was like uh, one yard in a cloud of AstroTurf uh, <laughs> last Sunday. It's crazy. They're going to be playing in the same uh, stadium that they play in every single week. By the way, RJ already talked about it. Uh, I went to the Super Bowl two years ago, and I got my tickets at face value through the 49ers. The, the, the numbers for this game are obscene, and it should be embarrassed that – I saw somebody spent ninety two thousand dollars 
for tickets on the 45-yard line today. That's insanity. It's absolute insanity. All right, let's switch our focus to the other side of the football. And out of respect for the man who wanted to talk about the Bengals, I'm going to come to the maestro first. What would you like to say about Tyler Boyd, sir? Well, I'm really curious to hear where Alex is going to go on these Bengals receivers. Uh, I know last week he was all over T. Higgins uh, because of the focus on Chase from the 266-yard game, and then Higgins goes off. I think th- I think it's Tyler Boyd, not to go off or anything, but uh, to look over his props because – You know, the Rams have a huge pass rush, so you're going to be getting the ball out quick. The Rams also play zone, uh, one of the top zone coverage teams in the league. Boyd is the best. He's the only receiver on that trio who's better against zone than man. The other guys are better against man. So um, I just think his numbers are low. Uh, I think this is a game where he's going to get peppered with those quick targets. Uh, Again, if there's no Uzama, uh, that's a big deal uh, for short-range targets. So, uh, yeah, Tyler Boyd. By the way, I did not know that your best friend watches the show live and also writes messages in the chat. More props from the maestro. Let's go from Elliot. How much you paying Elliot? I love that guy. <laughs> He's very active. That's no doubt about it. I love it. I do come up with the best nicknames. I really do. The one thing, the one hole that I have is that I've worked with RJ for over a year now, and I have not come up with a nickname out of respect because I don't I don't feel like RJ is a nickname guy. If he, it, RJ, if you give me the runway to do it, I would love to try and come up with one for you. I, I, I'm surprised you're asking me for permission. I don't think you've ever asked anybody <laughs> for permission for anything. So you, you do what you do and, and I'll deal with it. <laughs> he says, you do what you do. I'll take that as permission. Thank you. And I'll take that as a respectful uh, saying too. No, I'm never asking anybody. All right, let's get into the Bengals side. And Alex, we've got to come to you because Maestro just said last week to remind the people live on the show, you said, hey, coach, real quick, real quick, real quick. And you said, I believe that the leading receiver for the Bengals today will not be Jamar Chase. It will be T. Higgins. So for those people who missed the show, T. Higgins, six catches, 103 yards. It was amazing to watch catch after catch after catch and you nailed it perfectly. What are your thoughts this week about what Maestro just said? Yeah, it's a really interesting conversation regarding T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. They seem to take turns on who is going to have uh, the bigger game. We haven't seen many games. I can only think of one or two off the top of my head where both these guys uh, had huge receiving days. I think Baltimore is the only game where they both went for uh, over 100 yards in the same game, talking about T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. So, yeah, there is really no uh, method, uh, proven method at least, to kind of uh, handicap which one of these guys is going to blow up. I did just feel that in the previous matchup because of the fact that uh, Jamar Chase went just thermonuclear versus Kansas City, that he would be the emphasis of the defensive game plan. Uh, I I think one thing that does get lost in this conversation is just how good T. Higgins is. Obviously, Jamar Chase Mm -hmm. having one of the greatest rookie seasons of a wide receiver ever. Absolutely phenomenal, dynamic player. But uh, for for how good Jamar Chase is, T. Higgins is not far behind whatsoever. This guy's a second-year wide receiver, uh, just absolutely dynamic and explosive as well. 
very big target. Uh, just, yeah, he's tremendous as well. So uh, I kind of try to look towards uh, where the better value is, in my opinion. Both of them are close as far as their receiving totals are concerned. I did, however, really like, I know this is somewhat off topic, but uh, what Larry was saying regarding Boyd, I think he was spot on in that analysis. I do anticipate Boyd being heavily involved, especially if there is no CJ Uzama. Uh, he will soak up a ton of targets in the middle of the field. But just to answer your question regarding Chase and Higgins, I think it's tough picking which one is going to have uh, the better day just because they are both equally dynamic and should be heavily involved. So that just means I'm probably going to stay away most likely. Okay, let's go Maestro and then Mikey piggyback what we've been talking about, please. Well, I mean, the other thing working against Chase is, is Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, that's all. That's all I wanted to say on that. Yeah. I just wanted to point that in, point that out, and see if if he's going to get you know focused on Chase. Great tweet today. I'll get a great tweet today from Jalen Ramsey. He goes, "Oh, the goat retired, and his last touchdown pass was against me." <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool, and that's that's true. They tied at twenty seven. Uh, Mikey, your thoughts on the uh, these Bengals wide receivers that we've been talking about? Yeah. So first of all, I do like Tyler Boyd quite a bit, uh, especially if Uzam will be no Uzam is out. Uh, I think that they're going to have to either go that direction a little bit or get the running backs involved. I think it'll be a little more of Tyler Boyd. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's obviously going to be on Jamar Chase. They're probably going to double or at least give some additional help in certain spots as well. Um, so I'm not playing anything related to Jamar Chase yet at this point. Uh, the one thing that I want to mention in this game, though, we talked about the referees in both of the games last week. Again, it's not the original crew that they worked with all year, but didn't seem to matter in that last game. So this game, Ron Tolbert will be the head official for the Super Bowl. His most recent impactful game was the first game of Kansas City-Cincinnati, where Cincinnati had some pretty beneficial calls late in that game. Um, Furthermore, he has seven games this season with 100-plus penalty yards and multiple games over 140 penalty yards called. Just look for that when you've got guys like Ramsey who are still very aggressive defensively against some of these receivers, against a team that's going to throw a ton in the Cincinnati Bengals. We could see a lot more penalty yardage, which again takes away from receiving yardage in some situations. So just something to keep in mind when you're betting some of these props. Uh, I'm staying off of Chase for now. If I had to bet any of them, it would be Tyler Boyd. I would grab it as quick as you can just because we know every week for the most part you see it, but you're really going to see it now with the props being out so early. The majority of these are going to go up by at least three yards, just the way that things get shaded between now and then. There's a pretty big difference in a number like Boyd's at 37 and a half versus where I think it could close at, say, 42 and a half. That doesn't sound like a huge difference, but it really is a big difference for a player with a role like that. All right, hold up, Alex. Real quick, uh, A.B., before I forget, I want you to make a list of all the numbers today, and then next week when we do our next mega preview, I want to see where the numbers have changed. I, I, Mikey just sparked a really cool idea uh, in my head, so I want to make sure we have all those numbers listed uh, today. Alex, I'm going to come to you, and then, R.J., I have a question for you. Go ahead, Alex. I completely agree with everything Mikey said. I think all these numbers, looking at both sides of the ball, are going to get steamed up completely. That happens uh, historically every single year, especially when you have a full two weeks. The public loves to bet overs, um, especially on star players, so you're just going to see all these props get steamed up, in my opinion. So if you do like them, I would look to get in um, get a position early. Uh, as far as Boyd is concerned, I could see him moving up close to 50 receiving yards if CJ Uzama were to get ruled out uh, earlier 
Um, then, you know, later, like say, say he was ruled out in the next few days for this game, I could see Boyd jumping close to 50 yards. So I would absolutely get a position in him early as well. Cause I do believe that the current number is reflected or reflective of if um, Uzama was going to play. Okay. Very, very good. Uh, RJ, let me come to you. Is there going to be a prop on how many uh, funny ref tweets we get from you during the Super Bowl? <laughs> I hope not, because uh, I'll get I'll get you know claims of collusion when I'm I'm getting close to that number, and I, I live bet it so I can go over, and then you start come firing out. They're like I, I didn't see anybody offsides in that play. What is he tweeting about? And I'm just like I got to get to that over, got to get to that over. So, um, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's gonna happen. Uh, real quick, because we normally don't do defensive props very much, but with Aaron Donald on one side, and we saw the Bengals get after. Patrick Mahomes, especially in the second half, the number is over four and a half total sacks in the game. Is that something you'd be interested in keeping an eye on? RJ. Yeah, I, I like going over. I mean, he had nine sacks in that Titans game. Um, and and the, this is just as good of a defensive line, if not better. Um, that offensive line, uh, it's not – no reinforcements coming for that offensive line. So um, we saw that he could have had a lot more sacks in that Chiefs game. He was able to magically escape pressure. He became very Eli Manning-esque in his ability to spin out of of, of dangerous situations that you're like, oh, my God, this is, there's no way this ends well. And then uh, all of a sudden, you know, he's throwing helmet catches to people. So, um, he, so I, I, that luck runs out. I think everyone's, you know, at times. Um, so you can't just count on that happening over and over. So I do think we see a decent amount of sacks in that game, particularly from the Rams side. I mean, they might hit that number by themselves. All right. Now, oh, uh, I'm yeah, sorry to interrupt, sir. Coach. I got to no. hop off for HQ, but I enjoyed it. And I know we're going to be talking a ton, uh, getting even deeper into this game. He is the maestro. We've gone almost, I can't believe we've gone almost an hour. I haven't even looked at the clock. I've just been talking. This is amazing. All right. See you, maestro. Boy, he is ROG. Now, last week, something happened that I don't think happened the entire year. We got our bets in. All of a sudden, I look under Alex's name. McPherson, six and a half points. Wasn't that you last week, Alex? Wasn't that you? Oh, your first kick, at least here on the show, your first kicker prop of the, and he sailed over six and a half. What are your thoughts this week with having McPherson such a weapon for the Bengals? Yeah, I do think he could come into play and make another big impact. I haven't seen what the number is. Yeah, are you? Do we know well, the number, Mike? It's, yeah, it's seven and a half. way up seven and a half, and it's minus one forty-five on the juice. Wow! Now. Thank you, thank you, Mikey. Wow. Yeah. So that that does uh, to me tell me that uh, yeah, it's a much more efficient number this week. Um, tough to play it when it's that juice as well. Uh, you kind of are banking on him hitting two field goals, I think, at that seven and a half number as well. It would take quite a few touchdowns and extra points to go over. So, yeah, I am afraid that I am not going to be playing a McPherson kick prop this week. <laughs> never say never. We still have 12 days. A.B., show your face. Now, the number for field goal props, which you – look at that big old goofy smile. <laughs> Three and a half plus 117 – for field goals made in the game. Give me some nugget, my friend. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, take a look. Obviously, you see what the Bengals have been doing. And Sean McVay, understand this, okay? The last time that he was in the Super Bowl, when they played the Patriots, here's a nugget for you. They never crossed the 27-yard line of the Patriots. Not once. That's as far as they got in the entire game. So, yeah, you're going to get kicking points out of both teams. I assure you on that. 
I feel you know when I was at ESPN and I worked with Tom Rinaldi, who I think is the best storyteller in all of America. We used to make jokes that he would wake up in the middle of the night, like at three a.m., and just go. It was a beautiful summer day, and the stuff would just come to him. That's what I feel like with you when it comes to some of this stuff. Where do you come up with some of these things? I kids, just don't know. Well, I'll tell you, kids, support your local libraries. Read or <laughs> have somebody smarter than you, like M Squared, come down to the janitor's closet and read to you. That's how you do it. Well, all, all respect to you because I kid you a lot, but I'm glad you're on our team. Damn it, I know that. I'm glad we're on our team. Now get out of here. Get your face. Get, get out of here. Get out of here. RJ. We have a suggestion in the chat. I don't know if I like it, but I like where they're going with it. How do you feel about the silent assassin? Yeah, aren't most assassins silent? I mean, it seems like you're you're, you're double doubling up on those names there. You're be like the funny comedian. Like, okay, I guess I, I don't think you, I don't think you need both those words. <laughs> so you want either <laughs> silent or assassin? One or the other. <laughs> That's hilarious. You're too much, man. I tell you people all the time, they say, who's the funniest cat you get to work with? I said, you won't even believe it. I said, low key, it's RJ White. It really is. All right, I'll keep working on it. I'll keep working on it. <laughs> but uh, we have a couple more to get to, then we got to get out of here because we're going to do so many more shows next week. And this was just supposed to be a preview, but the discussion was so good that it just went a little longer than we anticipated. So it's time to do our best bets. And then we will get the hell out of Dodge. And again, follow us at Sportsline or any of our social media handles, and we will tweet out the schedule as soon as we get it. RJ, let me start with you. What bet do you have early on here? So I have two bets um, and then two little sprinkles. The two bets you see here are Rams minus four. Got on that Monday, felt like it probably was going to move. Um, Cincinnati's defense has been awesome, particularly the second half. They struggled on the first downs in, re in the red zone in regular season. You do that against the Rams, they're going to score a ton of points. I'm not sure the Cincinnati offense is going to be able to keep up against this Rams pass rush. That's more of a mismatch for the Cincy O-line than Kansas City was. Um, so Kansas City was able to largely contain Chase last week. I think Rams, he's going to have more success in that matchup. Uh, formula, there is a formula for Cincinnati to win. I'm not saying since he doesn't have a chance. The D has to play stellar again, like they did in that second half last week. Burrow makes a few big plays. He's shown completely capable of that. McPherson hits the dagger field goal, and he's been able to do that. So the formula is there, but it seems more likely to me the Rams are able to build an early lead like Kansas City did, and the pass rush doesn't let Burrow back in the game. So that's why I like the Rams minus four. I like Cooper Cup, longest reception over 27 and a half yards. He has 23 of those receptions all season, including five in the last five games. But the key is that since he gave up five passes of 30 plus yards in the last two games, they gave up three to A.J. Brown in that Titans game. And then they gave up one each to Hardman and Tyreek Hill last week. So it seems like he's the best player. He's the guy that's going to get the ball so much. He's so effective on those deep routes, too. But I have to figure he's going to get a 30-yarder here. So I feel like that's going to go up. Wanted to jump on that now. In terms of other props, I'm typically going to wait, let people bet them up, and then look to take them under, knowing that there's going to be a little bit more value on there. So those are the only two for now. But the things I would sprinkle on, first scoring play of the game um, is heavily weighted toward touchdowns. The touchdowns on either side are like plus 160, plus 190. Then you get to the Rams field goal at plus 370, Bengals field goal at plus 390. Field goal has preceded a touchdown in the last four Super Bowls. Um, and McVay's willing to be concerned 
conservative on fourth down, especially against a Cincy defense. That is second and fourth down stop percentage. He loves kicking field goals, loves kicking short field goals. I think he'll be all in to do that. Cincy, of course, has full trust in their kicker. I mean, they might get to midfield and try field goals in this game if you want to go that way. So I think there's much more value playing field goals in that prop than touchdowns. I would lean to the Rams field goal plus 370, but if you want to play them both and get Bengals plus 390 in there and just split your bet, I think there's going to be a field goal before a touchdown in this game. And then the other one, interesting one is the quarter of the first touchdown. You can pick first, second, third, fourth. Obviously, first is going to be a heavy favorite. You figure there's going to be a touchdown there. Well, the first touchdown came in the last minute of the first quarter the last two years, and it came in the fourth quarter the year before that Rams-Patriots game that, that uh, A.B. just cited. Um, so I think it's likely going to be less risk taken earlier in the game. It's a long pregame. We know it takes so long to mm-hmm. ramp up. Um, it takes long for these offenses to get going a little bit tight. So I think playing the second quarter at plus 270 gives you a little more, little more value than it should. I think that the way that this has been trending the last few years with the, the way the, the beginning of these games takes such a long time, even with these good offenses, takes such a long time to uh, to evolve and get going that uh, you can have value and this prop's going to hit at some point. I think this might be the year. Golly, so much good information. I told you guys at the start of the show, he is the NFL for us at Sportsline. I got two things for you, RJ, before I move on. Uh, we see that the Maestro is on Cooper Cup over 102 and a half. Uh, two things. Uh, how high do you think this will get? And B, do you like the receiving number more or less than the over eight and a half catches for him, which is where it's at right now? I would like to – I'd probably play the over on the receptions over the receiving yards. If you want to play it right now, take the receiving yards. But it's going to get up, I think, near 110. Um, I don't think it's going to get any higher than that. But it, it, it wouldn't be – I think they'll go past 105 at some point because people are just going to look at his numbers all season, see that he gets 100 yards more often than not, and figure that I have a better better than a coin flip chance of him hitting this. So I'm just going to take the over, and it's going to keep going up. So I think we're getting to the 108, 109 range probably. Um, and at that point, I'm not touching it. So if you like his over on receiving yards, play it now. I think the reception. I just think that they're just going to go to him early and often. Um, even if the Rams get up in this game, they're not they're not going to want to just run the clock. I mean, they're going to try to run the clock out a little bit, but you yeah. can't just play play it safe and play prevent defense in the Super Bowl. You got to make sure you get the win. And you know, short passes to Cooper Cup are like runs anyway. So I mean, he's still going to get his targets. I think so. I'd expect double digit targets from him. He's going to get to that nine catches. I think. Yeah, eleven for one forty two. For those of you out there that may be new. Or may think that this is the highest number we've seen all year. Eight and a half is the highest we've seen. But this dude just goes over it. He just goes over it. Real quickly, one other thing I forgot. Please educate our audience at home on all, very quickly, the NFL stuff that you guys are preparing for the Super Bowl at Sportsline. Yes, we have um, you know three featured expert picks posts are going to go up. You know, people will be entering their their picks all throughout the game. We have uh, Larry obviously doing great on the NFL this season, our number one expert. Brett Anderson, one of our CBS NFL um, editors, has having a great year. Picks makes very limited picks, but when he makes them, he's hitting seventy percent of the time plus on his wow. picks this year. So, um, so he's put together a great record to be our second hottest expert at this point. He's going to give us a featured pick, and then my featured picks are already up. I already shared it with you guys here. You're also getting props from both the model and the experts, Alex, Mike, are both contributing to that. I have some stuff there. A lot of our other great, great experts are going to be on that. Um, and then we'll be doing some player prop, you know, some individual player prop posts, breaking those down for people as well. Um, I'll probably put something together on the anthem, some fun stuff for the anthem. Uh, Mike Tierney comes through with Super Bowl squares a lot of the time. Um, and then we have this uh, Super Bowl props guide that I put together every year. It's all, all the model data kind of put into one place. Nice little glossy PDF for you to read. All you got to do to visit that is once that goes up, probably Monday. 
um, visit cbssports.com slash NFL. You'll see it on the arena somewhere. You'll be able to click through, um, sign up for it. It'll get sent to your email. You'll be able to read all about all these props, see all my analysis on all these crazy first quarter, third quarter, um, you know, in Jersey number, all those kind of crazy things I can find. I'll put that all in there for you guys. What else could you all want? I mean, what else could you all want? I am a little bit offended, RJ. I guess maybe I missed the email where you asked for me for my pick for the Super Bowl. I am over 58% this year in the NFL. I'm, I'm just I'm just saying, but if you don't well, want me to make it a no, on that note, you're going to be on HQ all week next week. You're going to be giving out picks left and right. People are going to be tuned in and seeing all these picks. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'd rather listen to you tell them than read about them because you're such an entertaining performer anyway. People are going to want to get those picks on HQ all next week. Uh, well, I that's very nice of you to say. We all know that you guys are where it's at. I'm just trying to navigate, but damn it, I love working with you guys so very much. All right, they've sat there very quietly for the last several minutes normally. They don't have to sit there that long, and I apologize. We had to get all that information in. Now I'm coming to my guys. Mikey, talk to me. All right. First play of the Super Bowl for me is going to be a little bit of a same-game parlay. I placed this over on FanDuel. Bengals plus 14.5. Rams money line over 35.5 total points in the game. All these things are very highly correlated uh, for me here. Plus 162 like the payout quite a bit on this. So I have played a full unit on this same game parlay. Uh, not much to say here other than I think the Bengals can keep it within three scores. And uh, I, I think that the Rams will ultimately win the game. And in the process gets us home with the 35 and a half as I do think that we could see a tighter defensive battle. We're still getting home with a 20 to 17 victory that we see so often in these formats. Uh, so I, I like this play quite a bit. I have one request from you, just one. I know we're going to have a supersized donkey for the game. Oh, yeah. I need 10-way donkey. Can you do that for me? Oh, yeah. We're going to have multiple donkeys, Coach. We have so many shows throughout them. We might do a donkey a day kind of thing and uh, have multiple donkeys out there. Donkey a day? It keeps all the haters away. I love it. Let's go. All right. Now, it wasn't planned this way, but Alex, as you know, you are very, very important to us. You are, I mean, one of my favorites. So important. But you know who the OG of the show is. You know who was here from day one, and his spot is always the last spot on the show. But he's gone, which means now you step in. There's pressure, but I know you can handle it. Give it to me. Yeah, I know. I appreciate that, man. And that guy hired me as well. So uh, <laughs> respect to the maestro, Mr. Hartstein. I do want to point out that I loved RJ, what he said regarding uh, waiting for a lot of these overs to or waiting for a lot of these bets to basically steam up. You're going to see a lot of the uh, really you know prevalent players on both sides of the offenses on on um, excuse me, the Rams and the Bengals. You're going to see their numbers come up a lot over the course of the next 10 days. So, yeah, waiting. You can find a lot of value on the unders as we get close to kickoff. I think that is a very sound advice to give. And yeah, speaking of unders, my first play is going to be Joe Mixon under 95 and a half combined rushing and receiving yards. He has just been very ineffective as a running back. I believe he's been held under uh, four yards per carry in seven of the last eight games. Uh, we have seen an uptick in 
his usage as a receiver, but over the last two weeks, he was running less routes each uh, each of those games than he was in the previous three or four games. So he's been highly efficient with those targets. But yeah, uh, Samaji P. Ryan is mixing in quite a bit as a receiver. Furthermore, this is a very, very difficult matchup for as good as the Rams are in coverage. They are very stout against the run. According to Football Outsiders, they rank sixth in rushing DVOA. Furthermore, they rank in the top or the top ten in yards allowed, uh, both rushing and receiving yards for running backs as well. So they are very, very stingy. Uh, I do believe that. Someone asked this question earlier if uh, the Rams are getting after Joe Burrow. Would that create additional opportunities for checkdowns for Joe Mixon? I actually don't think it will for a number of reasons. One being that they can get home with their uh, four down linemen. They're not going to need to bring additional pressure, in my opinion, coupled with the fact that they uh, defend running backs really well out of the backfield. So I do think this is going to be a very tough matchup for Joe Mixon. It's going to take a very specific game script, likely with the Bengals winning for him to go over this total, which I don't think they're going to do. So yeah, I really like fading Joe Mixon under 95 and a half combined rushing and receiving yards. I love how you tell us all the time that there's way more opportunities for a bet to go under than there is for a bet to go over. It's just like in golf. You have one bad day in golf, it may cost you a top 10 or even a win. Same thing in a prop. If you have one bad quarter, one slow half, then it's hard to get there. And we learned that from you and all my crew. All right. We have gone as long as we can go today. And I want to thank everybody for staying with us this long. We just had a lot to get through. And damn it, it was a lot of fun. But I like to end every single one of our live shows with my guys having 15 to 20 seconds to tell me what they're most looking forward to. And this time, it's in the Super Bowl. So, A.B., if you don't mind, throwing up that best bet screen one more time and let people soak it in, get the screen grabs going, and R.J., start us off. What are you most looking forward to? I'm just glad it's it's a Super Bowl with different people in it. I know you guys are Chiefs fans. You want to see them in every year, but we're getting some new blood in here. We're going to get either Matthew Stafford winning a Super Bowl or Joe Burrow winning Super Bowl in his first you know two two years. Um, so it's interesting. This this Bengals team. I mean, the uh, the coach in that one, Zach Taylor, his career winning percentage entering the uh, is three thirty seven. Um, you know, because he had those two awful years before this year. That's the worst by a coach entering a Super Bowl appearance by more than a hundred points. Bill Walsh had been the worst at four thirty eight with an eighty one. Uh, 49ers team. Now you got Zach Taylor having two completely horrendous years comes in. Now he's in a Super Bowl. So it's just those type of guys getting that experience, getting to enjoy this, seeing that future is bright for that team. The Rams are where they want to be. This is the team they built to get to this moment for this game. And so uh, I just like being able to see these teams. So it's not the same old Chiefs and Tom Brady and all these type of things. You know, give me this new blood. I actually respect that take. By the way, how many franchises, RJ, do you think that he would have survived in after those two years? Bengals, Steelers, how many others? I mean, not, it's not many. It, yeah, not many. I know the the Steelers don't want to pay, you know, co I mean, the, the Bengals don't want to pay coaches, you know, to, to go away. So they probably give him a little bit more rope. But if he had another bad year this year, I mean, he probably would have been out at that point. So it's really fascinating to see a guy that if it's Kyle Shanahan and he struggles for his first year, or he struggles with the 49ers for a year, you're willing to believe he can turn it around. And he did. He was able to take that team from, I think, four and 12 to 12 and four, get to the Super Bowl um, against the Chiefs that time. But when it's Zach Taylor and nobody, you know, from from John McVay's staff, questionable hire when it was made. It's like at some point you got to deliver, and he certainly has this year. So it's pretty impressive stuff from him. And by the way, speaking of dead money, in all of the Dan Quinn stories, people wonder why he stayed in Dallas. He's still getting paid by Atlanta. <laughs> he's still getting paid by Atlanta, and he's in Dallas. And Jerry's the only guy that will pay uh, 
assistant coaches, head coach type money to keep them uh, in the house. Mikey, talk to me. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to a good game. Obviously, I want to see the Rams win. Bengals cover 14 and a half. I want to hit this play. Uh, but I'm interested in – I love the national anthem. I love sweating the over-under of the national anthem. It literally just sets the tone for the entire rest of the day. Good news is Mickey Guyton is performing the national anthem. She is a part of Capitol Records here in Nashville, Tennessee. A.B. and the boys, we're going to head down to Music Row, see what kind of intel we can gather up. And, uh, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. I just have a lot of fun with the Super Bowl every year. All right. Then I have one more favor to ask. Please, if you're going with A.B. and the boys and going down to get some intel, could you please take a camera with you and shoot a little bit of that, if you don't mind? I would love to see how that goes. I would love to see how that goes. All right. Oh, our first Super Bowl with our guy, Alex prop stars what are you most looking forward to pal i'm looking forward to the individual matchup between arguably the best defensive back in the nfl jalen ramsey and uh, one of the most explosive rookie wide receivers we have ever seen and jamar chase i think that is going to be extremely high level from a uh, fantasy nerd and obviously a prop guy this is like a uh, dream come true matchup on the biggest stage two of the best players at their position in their primes squaring off cannot wait to see jalen ramsey mono e mono with jamar chase oh man two absolute elite athletes and absolute elite football players i'm most looking forward to doing a live show on sunday afternoon like we did last year and mikey i don't know if you remember this but the most entertaining thing for me last year during the live show prop show two hours before was will brinson he was in the number one spot on DraftKings for the waste management Phoenix Open, and he had $200,000 on the line, and all Scotty Scheffler had to do on the last hole was beat Xander Shoffley, and he would have won $200,000, and he had to watch it live while he was hosting the show until I came on, and watching him I try love. to concentrate. Could, could you, any of you guys have concentrated with two hundred grand on the line and trying to host the show at the same time? I could not have, but uh, you know, I, I do the I do the Pick Six podcast every Thursday at one PM live, and then we put it out as a podcast on Friday with Will Brinson. And so I'm used to him not concentrating when we're supposed to be talking to him <laughs> on a show. So uh, it was n- nothing new for me to see that. <laughs> and that's the perfect way to end this show. I love it. Now we're going to be here all next week, and don't forget our normal early edge show every single day at 10 a.m. We will have an MMA only episode Thursday. Our soccer boys. Buckets and the guru, Martin W. Green. They're back together on Thursday as well. I love it all, and we're here for you. So now there's only one thing left to do, and you all know what that is. Elliot's always waiting for this. And just because it's a preview show, this is our staple. You've got your marching orders. Let's take all of these Super Bowl tickets straight to the pay window for my entire crew here all year. Nobody better. Maestro, M Squared, RJ, Prop Stars, AB on the ones and the twos, and the jeweler putting it all together here at the brand. I am the coach. Make sure you follow us on social media. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You're watching us right now. Don't miss a second of this content. Your favorite show? You want to be included? You want to be wanted? You want to feel valued? Right here at the early end. Good luck. Thank you. 
Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.